You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Our guest today is Brian Adams, the author of the best-selling book, Give and Get Employer Branding, and CEO and founder of PH Creative, a global employer branding agency. With his team at PH Creative, Brian has built world-class employer brands and talent engagement strategies for companies like Apple, Entane, and American Airlines. In this episode of Scaling Culture, Ron and Brian discuss the great resignation and employer branding, job ads, and a psychological profile formula with five key elements, the EVP or employer value proposition, and effective screening tactics for interviews, and future trends and challenges when it comes to attracting and retaining top talent. And before diving into today's episode, be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. And don't forget to check out our Scaling Culture Masterclass. This was created for all leaders trying to build and sustain high-performing culture. The series covers almost critical topics from building relationships to change management and operating as a team. To watch the trailer, head over to scalingculture.org. Now onto the show. Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett. And today, all the way from San Diego, we have Brian Adams, who's the CEO of PH Creative and the author of Give to Get. Brian, welcome. Ron, great to be on. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. I I was just saying before we started, I haven't got a chance to read your book yet. I love the theme of the book. It's just taken a little long to get to me for some reason, probably because we have nine feet of snow down here. And so maybe Amazon's a little slow when it comes to uh, delivering (laughs) through the treacherous Canadian snowbanks, right? Um, But let's get into it. Um, Before we talk about the book, look, we've introduced you already, but, but what was what drove you to write about this topic, right? This is company culture. You're talking about, you know, attracting, keeping the, you know, the, the, the right individuals. What was your aha moment to even send you down this path? What's, what's, what's the, the pivotal moment that said, look, this, there's, I need to kind of head, head in this direction. So it was a, it was a fork in the road actually run um, because what was fast becoming secret source for my agency was also becoming a real sense of, frustration watching the industry lift and shift something from the marketing department that doesn't quite work in employer branding. You know, you can only hire one person per role rather than sell as many things as you can to your entire audience. So, so the ethos didn't quite translate and essentially, you know, and still 81% of an employer brand leaders measure success of employer brand by an increase in volume of applicants. And I've never met a TA leader who just wants more volume of applicants. You want more mm-hmm. of the right applicants. So Give and Get is, um, is really uh, giving away our agency secret source that's worked for years with many global brands, such that uh, it's there to repel more people than it is to compel. You know, Because if, as soon as you're comfortable and confident with the fact that your organization isn't for everybody, we can now set about trying to find the people that it is for, you know, and that is um, using employer brand more as a smart filter than a magnet to attract. It's interesting. So, so one, I'm just curious because marketing firms typically hadn't been used to attract employees. They had been used to, to push out the brand and, and, and attract customers. But are you seeing more of that? It's like, Oh my goodness, with the great resignation, everything going on, are marketing firms starting to get involved more with, you know, uh, the people strategy and, and attracting the right people. 
I'm I'm a recovering marketer myself. Uh, PH. I like that. I like recovering marketer. That means you had a rough <laughs> ride. <laughs> so uh, PH started out as a, a generalist marketing agency, but we we slowly started to specialize, and you know, until about eight to ten years ago, we we became full specialist employer brand for a number of reasons. Um, mostly because uh, marketing directors wouldn't return our call. But, uh, you know, we saw a real opportunity to make a dent. There are a lot more marketing companies entering our space now. Um, and we put the book out because we wanted to make a dent in the industry and influence how it was being done. Um, you know, we've got a blueprint that really works. And our vision is everyone loves their job, you know. So the right thing to do is uh, put out our, our philosophy and ethos and have more people embrace it. And, that, and that's what's happening. It's funny, when, when I look at your subtitle, Repel the Many and Compel the Few with Impact, Purpose, and Belonging. So, you know, it, you know and, and I think you would agree, every company has a culture, right? Whether it's mm -hmm. by default or design, whether you and I think it's good or bad, they have a company culture. Mm -hmm. So my question is, because when you look at the beginning, so Repel Many um, and Compel the Few, would... Do you screen, I'm, I'm curious, you know, does your company screen a business to make sure that they're making the impact, have purpose and belonging, and that's your client base or not? It's like, look, Ron, you're, you're still a command and control leader who, you know, wants to clock everyone's bathroom breaks, but then there's going to be people who actually want to work in that environment. That's okay or not. Or is it no, you, you have to check these boxes that you, you are making impact and that's our customer base. No, I mean, like you said, every organization has a culture. Every organization will be offering a certain amount of impact, a certain amount of sense of purpose, a certain amount of sense of belonging. It's, it's our job to uncover where, what, and how and help you articulate exactly how it feels and what direction it's pointed in. And then when we get to the give and get, it's not just talking about the strengths, benefits, and opportunities you have to offer as an organization, but also lean into the demands and the expectations, talking about the vulnerabilities, the, you know, the, the work unfinished, um, the harsh realities that somebody is going to find on day one that they wish they knew before they applied, um, because that's the stuff that candidates want to know. And it's also the stuff that employees want to be recognized for as well. Yeah, because it feels like so. So I just want to go back to this command and control environment for a moment, um, which which there's plenty out there. So so let's say a company today is they are that company. They're rigid. They don't have a defined purpose. They don't have a defined value. They are going to work you like a dog, and um, you have no autonomy. You, you don't make decisions. You need to, uh, there's heavy policy and procedure. Like, I, I, as I say this, I'm like, oh my God, I would never want to work there. But the reality <laughs> is um, there's probably, if you're that company, should you put that front and center? Hey, if you come here, you know, we want you to work very hard. You, you don't worry. You'll never make a mistake because we have to approve everything. Like, should people lean into that as well? Or because I think there is this, I, I, I'm seeing lots of companies that, haven't figured out the backyard or the foundation of their culture. They don't have their values set out. Um, they don't have a purpose. And then they go to market and they kind of say, oh yeah, we've got this great culture. People land, they're like, whoa, this is not what you, what was in, in the marketing material. So should people just lean into what they are or should they stop, create a really fun, exciting culture and then, and then try? So 
It's interesting because every time we do an employer brand project, we start with research. We need to understand, okay, what is perception versus reality and so on and so forth. But we also recognize that employer brand is 99% alignment with the organization. And we always reach a crossroads in the research where an organization has to choose, okay, this is the reality that we found. Is this the reality that we want to keep? Or are we going to make some decisions to change? And what is conducive to grow the organization? And when the leadership is, is clear and we have absolute clarity on how to move forward, then we know what to lean into and um, what to discard, what to dial up. But then we look for, okay, so if these things exist, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, why do people stay? What is so compelling about this organization that makes people put up with that stuff and if still find? Exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, over the years, Amazon's had a bad rap for not being the most um, cuddly uh, culture in the world. However, if you know, if you can work there for two years and you can get promoted and thrive, then you're probably a lot more employable at the end of it. And you've probably been paid well um, and you can get a job somewhere else and, and, and springboard your career. Now, that's because they're known as a career catalyst and they own their culture. And it's not for everybody, but we've never found, you know, and I believe there isn't good and bad culture. There's just is what it is. Right. And for, you know, if there's a thousand people that hate it, there's probably a handful of people who love it and they know exactly why. And our job is to uncover that, dial it up, own it and take it to market. So what's some of the key questions? Like what is, what is the telltale sign that people love it? And, and so this came up the other day on one of the podcasts and, and maybe I was on a podcast. I can't remember. And they said, what is the question that leaders should be asking today during these times of great resignation? And the question I came up with uh, was asking your employees, knowing what you know about our company, would you be excited to reapply for the job today? And to me, that, that may answer one of these questions is, would I want to stay? What other mm -hmm. questions are you using that are helping filter out like, oh yeah, this is, this is the goods, right? Or, or you, you're in trouble. So I don't know if this fully answers your question, but I can tell you my favorite question. It's where we typically start. If it was your job to dissuade people to join your organization and you couldn't lie, what would you say? Ooh, great question. Um, you know, and what that starts to do is uncover, okay, what do I really need to know um, about this organization? What are the harsh realities and the challenges and the adversities I'm going to find? Because once you are really clear on that, you can then say, okay, so why do you put up with that? What makes you stay? You know, and the difference between why did you join and why did you stay are, are often very different. Mm. Um, you know, and what we're doing here is, you know, it's that's that's not the um, we haven't struck gold there, but we've found the X marks the spot on the map of where to dig. Because if we can then start to find passion and pride and, and those sources of achievement. We're starting to get closer to the heartbeat of the organization and we know um, what it takes to thrive. And we can start looking at the two types of capability, which I call brilliance and resilience. You know, so the offense and defense aspects, you know, so you, you might thrive if you're a problem solver and uh, you're curious and, you know, you're, you're great at X, Y and Z. But actually, if you can't put up with these things over here, then, you know, you you're going to emotionally drain and burn out and you're not going to, you're not going to make it through. So getting to the sources of those things can be incredibly powerful. And if you find them across the organization, even in all different functions, then that's a common thread 
that you need to hold on to because it's part of the fabric of the culture of your company. Yeah, interesting. And so once you have that narrative, from your perspective, how should companies put it out there? What's it look like? Where is it? What is there a format, a best practice of, okay, here's the key things that people love about working here. Cause I, and by the way, I'm making an assumption, maybe I'm wrong. You're going to take that. And now it's time to market and find new individuals that are compelled to this message. Yeah. So the term best practice makes me nervous, uh, but I can tell you what we do and, and what, and what works for me, there's three layers of employer brand strategy. The first is reputation and the marketplace is still littered with a goal of becoming the best or the most attractive. And actually, it's not very useful to the organization. It certainly isn't useful to a, a candidate market. So we've recognized three types of uh, reputation as an employer. The first is career catalyst. Are you a place to go to accelerate your career faster than anywhere else? Second is culture, which organizations of employer brand has traded on for, for many years. But, you know, is this a place where I can bring my whole self to, to work and uh, get a sense of belonging? Um, and the third, now that millennials are officially running the world, is becoming the most priority, actually, is this uh, idea of citizenship. Is this an organization that's going to leave the world in a better place than they found it? So once you have an idea of what reputation as an employee will serve the organization best and is most authentic, then you can, you know, and that's the what and the why. You can then start to look at the how, which is the EVP, the employee value proposition. And uh, if you can articulate what you have to give as well as what you stand to get, then everything's clear, it's strategic, and it's aligned with the company. It's aligned with the organization, which is the most important thing. And then the final layer is simply experience. So reputation is there to get attention. Proposition is there to get affinity. Experience is there to create affection. And if you know the reputation, you know the proposition, now you know where to place your bets on the talent experience line, um, candidate engagement, uh, candidate employee or alumni as to how to prove your reputation and validate your, your EVP. So they're the three layers that um, drive our successful projects. Um, and if you think about it, it just makes super simple sense. And it aligns with the organization as well as satisfying uh, employees and candidates alike with the truth. <laughs> Isn't that a great concept? You know, it's funny. I just had this wonderful idea that I want to uh, throw by you. Um, yeah. So I had brought up while we're talking uh, a job description. Okay. I go to market. Mm -hmm. I want to run you through our key headlines. I want you to tell me, look, you're either on, on track or, or you're not. And that might be mm -hmm. difficult, but just, just at, at a high level. Sure. But I do want to go back to one point. I want to go through this, but I do want to go back to EVP. We're hearing this more and more. And mm -hmm. I would argue that some of you, you listeners don't exactly know what that is. It, it can be okay. confusing. So make sure I'm, I'm going to circle that. We must go back to EVP. Okay. So, so I'm going to walk you through, and then I'm going to tell you an idea that I just had. So <laughs> we've got this, uh, my company Vita, um, it provides workforce housing for um, Canadians across Canada. So from Winnipeg to East Coast, and we've got a, roughly 2,000 units now, um, so apartments. And we were putting this rollout, it was for a community creator role, kind of a, we we're buying some assets in Winnipeg, and it was going to be the first boot on the ground that, that helps us create the community, not just in the building, but in the broader sense. So we started off, I'm not going to read this, but 
uh, about Vita. So just a quick, short description about Vita. Um, and then we have a YouTube video so you can see more. And then we, we go from there to our commitments to you as the applicant. Here's what we're committing to you, a culture of learning, safe and compassion, feedback and coaching. Then we get into benefits, unlimited vacation, you know, um, health and wellness allowance, the salary range, personal training, all those types of things. Then we talk about the role. So an, an, an overview of the role, the community creative, then the responsibility um, and the key components to the role. And then the last section is about you, the candidate, and you know, can you do these things? Um, and then that's it. And so what do, what do you think about that flow? Well, I think you've certainly got everything in there, um, you know, and it, so, you know, it, it, it sounds fine. And typically if somebody is interested, they will read everything as well. You know, um, the formula that we follow is, uh, is quite simple and it's empathy, curiosity, surprise, insight, and action. So if I circle back to that, empathy is designed to sort of win hearts and minds. And that might be about the purpose of the organization. And typically right. you, you, you started with the company, which is absolutely spot on. Because it's hard to be empathetic on like, hey, here's a job, right? So, so you, that makes sense. If you're going to press the empathy button, it's going to be about the, you know, probably about the company and, and, and yeah. Context. how it serves its customers. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, this is where we might plug into the meaningful purpose of the organization, the, the inspirational vision. Then curiosity, something, um, you know, that's going to pique somebody's interest, if you can, quickly followed by surprise, something they don't, they didn't know before. Because what we're doing is we're opening up both sides of the brain and we're engaging people, you know, and typically the surprise element might be about the team that you want people to join as well, because now they're leaning in and like, okay, tell me more about that. As the, as the both sides of the brain open, that's where you might fill it with the insight. Okay, so here's specifically what's on offer and here's specifically what we want you to do. And at that point, somebody is most um, receptive to taking action, which is what you want them to do at, at the end. So that's the sort of psychological sort of um, profile of a, of a good job ad. Um, but, but I think the way you start with, with company and team and then job is, is right. So I think you got all the points in there. My, my one thing is um, if you want the right person to lean in more is tell them why it's difficult. Tell them, you know, what to expect on the worst day, what type of capability and character they're going to need to get through some of the challenges demands and expectations of the role of the team and of the company, it immediately becomes more authentic, but in a, a sort of reverse psychology way, it becomes more appealing. More challenging. The, the, absolutely. You know, also, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable and uh, talk about what's left to be done. Tell half a story and invite somebody to come and complete that story because it shows a sense of impact and, and where your contribution can, can matter as well. And, uh, you know, organizations need to get over the fact that you've got to look your best and you need to look the shiniest and the most complete. We, we can't out Google Google, you know, um, and sometimes vulnerability or scrappiness, our um, weak, perceived weaknesses can actually be our strengths and the reason people apply, um, you know, so, that's what we're trying to bring to the marketplace and help people achieve. 
Brian, I was just about to challenge you. I was like, is that too soon to be that vulnerable and say, hey, here's the challenge we see in the role? But I think you're spot on, right? Because it does go with the subtitle of your book. It's repelling. And, and that's okay. This is this type of repelling. Oh, my God, that's that's no good for me. You know, because I, I was thinking about this role in particular. If we had have added that, we would have said, this is a new role. This will evolve over time. We need your help to create the the key performance indicators which are not done yet you know like we would have put those things in here and then i want to throw my idea uh for our listeners and for you so because there's a lot of you know there is a lot of people especially during this great resignation where the people have joined a company and said you know what ph creative is not what you said it was or vita is not what you said it was and so it was it was news i'm out of here and so what i was thinking and i want to know if this is a good idea because i'm going to do this starting unless you say it's a horrible idea unless you completely toast it i'm doing this that as when we get through the company culture piece what's in it for you or at the end of the ad i want to say sounds too good to be true call andrew dart he's been working here for eight months he'll tell you get his opinion call or text like put your money where your mouth is right like what an interesting concept what do you think too aggressive no, not at all. I, I love that idea. I think the phone number of the person you put you know, probably needs a little bit of validation and, you know, make sure that they're not inundated with calls. Make sure they're Let's happy go email. With it. Let's go email. All right. Yeah. That was too aggressive. <laughs> but um, it's interesting because if you take, if you, if you can pre-handle somebody's objection, which is essentially what you're alluding to, if you can record three of your employees that are in this, in the team of the job that you're advertising, and they are very open and honest about, hey, you know, sometimes it's like this round here, and sometimes this can be challenging. So you have to be, be prepared to A, B, and C. However, when you do, the team rally ra- rallies round. There's always a learning opportunity, the support from the management. And looking back in my short 18-month stint here, I've grown as a person because of X, Y, and Z. Love so it. what you've done there is you've injected, like, what it's like on its worst day, the capabilities and character you need to, to cope, never mind thrive and survive. But you've context it is like why people put up with that stuff and how people make sense of it and find a sense of purpose, impact and belonging. So you're getting all of that ingredients in in a human way. Um, you're telling a very story, that a very authentic story that people believe. And then best of all, it puts the candidate to a, an authentic decision. And is you that visualize the journey, right? You yeah. visualize this journey. Yeah, I love that. That's very Absol- interesting. Absolutely. So, you know, you might think about putting some of those employee um, questions and answers directly into a job ad um, because it's that's compelling. Yeah, it's interesting. And I love that through video because I'm, I'm even looking at mine like that would be long if we started, you know, FAQ this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the concept. And I do, I you know, I think I'm going to put, and sorry, Andrew, I'm going to put your contact in the next ad that, you know, this is, he's going to hate this episode. His phone is going to blow up, right? He'll be like, I like this job till Ron Lovett put my name in there. Exactly. Now I have no life. My phone rings 24 yeah. seven. I'm That's leaving. Oh, <laughs> so let's go back to EVP. Now, I, mm-hmm. I, and, and I could be wrong. I feel like what we've been talking about is EVP, but can you break that down for those of what is EVP? Yeah. So, a lot of people interchange the terms employer brand or talent brand with EVP. So employer branding is looking at the reputation, the proposition, and the experience, as I outlined earlier. Um, 
the employer brand is the sort of headline, the sort of the tagline, the the essence that you're uh, articulating that's closely aligned to a company vision. But the EVP, the employee value proposition, uh, is essentially the what's in it for me. Um, and the job is to set expectation. Um, but the, if, you, if, we, if you look at the definition of proposition, it needs, it needs to be a two-way street. And this is rather than just set out the strengths, benefits, and opportunities to be found within the employee experience. This is where our give and get um, approach lives up to the word proposition by being uh, very clear with the two-way value exchange. So that's all that is. So employer branding can be the what and the why. Um, the, the EVP is the how. How does that show up? What does it look like? What does it feel like? And what are both sides of the equation here? I was you just going to say, yeah, the give, the get, you know, the, the two sides, that is back to what you're saying, being a little vulnerable about mm-hmm. the, 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 the toughest day, like showing this is not all rainbows and unicorns, right? That's what you're talking exactly. about. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so, so walk me through um, smarter filter. You talk about that. What is a smarter filter and, and how does it get applied? Yeah, so conventionally right now, uh, employer branding and EVPs are used just to attract more people. And it's understandable because, you know, the great resignation, a lot of companies are on fire. They've got, you know, 10 times the open recs than they would have normally had. So the temptation is to just pull all the levers and to have more applications. But actually, if you think about it, there's a whole industry of technology designed to combat that. You know, we're looking at AI machine learning of how to filter things out and automate and all of this stuff because we're stuck under a blizzard of applications that recruiters can't get to. And in a world where candidate experience is um, recognized as so important to protect the reputation of your organization and so on and so forth, um, surely more applications is not the way to go. And it isn't. We want more of the right applications. But if that can mean, if that can mean less volume overall, why would, wouldn't that be fantastic? Your TA leader and your recruiters would thank you um, endlessly for that. So the idea is it's a smart filter for both the organization to recognize what does an ideal candidate look like for this role quicker, but also for the candidate, you know, the best candidate experience an organization can offer somebody is all the information not to apply in the first place. So they don't waste their own time and they don't waste the organization's time. So it's simply this, it's being authentic and transparent enough to make a candidate come to an educated decision whether to apply or not based on whether they are a good match and whether they have what it takes to thrive. It's, it's interesting. I had a couple of thoughts as you were speaking. One, for those who just can't get their head around or can't afford AI, right? So there's going to be a huge bucket of companies that like AI, forget it. I'm just not there. And, and I, I think there's arguments that AI is not there, you know, and, and by the way, I'm not educated on it, but I go back to the story, which I heard and, I believe this to be true, was that Amazon, do you know the story about Amazon's AI and they, they applied it? So Amazon, the story I heard, was Amazon put into play an AI filter. And they said, here's all the best candidates, run the AI through this, and that should filter us forward. So sure enough, within months, there were no female applicants getting through because the AI, they probably had of, of the best candidates, 
it, it, it created bias right away. So maybe those, there was 90%. So AI just said, why would we ever talk to a female around here? And then they're like, uh Oh, they shut it down. That kind of scared me a little bit. So I think about what we do and what I think some neat customers do, which I think is in line with this. And we're talking about this strategy. Um, one, I use, we use question, um, you know, score-based questions, which is not AI, but it certainly scores. But even better than that, back to, I think this is in line with repel or, or compel. Have you heard of the, the, the strategy of knockout questions or return ticket? And I, the first time I heard about this was, was Southwest Airlines. Um, Sherry Perez was talking about, you know, most companies have, can you legally work in the United States? That's a knockout question. You're gone mm-hmm. if you can't. Can you, can, do you have a driver's license? Knockout. Do you have a you know, valid work permit? Knockout. You know, 19 years of age or 21 to serve alcohol? Knockout. But they failed to add an operational question in the knockout. And Southwest Airlines, uh, in this example, the knockout question for um, those who handled the baggage was, are you open to working overtime shifts? And that's a knockout operational knockout question because if you're not, you're knocked out because planes are late and you get forced into overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and we were discussing this at, um, this is a version of it, but at Vita, we have what's called a building ambassador and we have four pillars, safety, security, cleanliness, and opportunity. And building ambassadors live in the buildings. It's like our superintendent. And our knockout question for them is actually a knockout. I don't know what we're going to call it. It's, it's a knockout exploration, which is we want to see if they keep a tidy home. We either want through, through, through Zoom or uh, virtually or, or to inspect and, and meet them at their home because if they don't keep a tidy home, they are not aligned with the pillar. But we, we can't figure out how to get that in a question. So it's, it's, it's our version of a knockout. What are your thoughts on that? Is that something companies should be thinking about to, to is that in line with compel or repel? Well, I think it's really smart. I think you've hit on something, you know, really nailed. You know, you're, you're trying to come up with the ultimate question to find alignment, which we've talked about already, to each each pillars and whether that's each each employer brand pillar or each value, I think that's absolutely super smart. And you know, rather than rely on artificial intelligence, what we've been talking about for the last few minutes is just intelligent. Right. <laughs> and it can really take us quite a long way, you know. And if you think about, okay, what are our other questions around the important capabilities that people need to demonstrate and evidence? to have a shot at surviving, let alone thriving at our organization, it is a very smart place to start. Absolutely. And does the book go into specific interview questions and how to filter for your your values or, or not? You've kind of left that aside. So there's a couple of example questions in there. And you know, from memory now, um, we do break down the, the job advertising formula we look at story formula we look at how to um construct the proposition from both the give and get perspective um you know but yeah there's there's a bit of sort of granular detail that that isn't in there based on you know what what you're talking about there it's it's more there there are plenty of examples of of how to craft and uh use an an evp um but it's aimed at the practitioner that you know, needs to cultivate an employee brand, figure out their EVP, go to market with, with job descriptions. And so it seems like this is a very important book to read and strategy to implement for in-house marketing teams too. Like marketing now is not even in-house, you know, because we talked about external marketing terms, uh, teams 
are companies helping uh, to, to for client acquisition and brand strategy. But is that something that internal marketing people now need to be turning their, you know, not just the go-to-market, but the employee experience as well? Like marketing is creative. It should start shifting there, correct? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's funny, we do a, an employer brand strategy sprint course and we're seeing more marketers appear on, on that, you know, to like, okay, what, what is this all about? Because there is certainly a crossover. What we found is, the content you create um, for employer branding translates because consumers want to know that you're a good organization. You know, people have stopped giving you consumer dollars if they don't believe in the, the ethics of an organization or how you treat people and so on and so forth. So telling stories of the people behind a brand can be super powerful. Um, and in some cases, it can be more effective to drive customer revenue than just conventional marketing. It doesn't really translate the other way, you know. Um, so showing candidates marketing material doesn't really add value to whether they're going to make that career decision or not. So it's an interesting dynamic. Um, but to answer your question more concisely, it's definitely something we're seeing uh, marketers and company leaders in different areas of the organization start to get up to speed with because it is adding value. And ultimately, people are the only competitive advantage left in business. Everything right. else can be commoditized and can be automated and can be bought and you know acquired. People are the only point of difference left. So employer brand is definitely rising in the priority list. And you know, it's funny that you say that because I don't think enough CEOs, entrepreneurs, leaders of their teams even are thinking about that. I don't think they think about that. That, that this is your competitive advantage. And, and it's a different way of looking at it because I always go back to sports and I say, look, I, I look at companies and business like sports. You have the best team. You win the game of business. Mm -hmm. You're saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But we've just gone through, you know, a 20, 30 year period where technology and innovation of technology has been seen as um, the big differentiator and now we're in a period of um, humanity where people are being appreciated and sort of um, seen as, as, as the difference maker. You know, and even the technology and the innovation behind the technology takes people to build. You know, um, we've reached a saturation point of technology where the only, the only competitive advantage left is the marginal gains you get by having a world-class person or just a above average uh, type of, of team, you know, and this is, this is what, this is what organizations in, in very competitive marketplaces have come to realize they have to brand themselves and be compelling to efficiently and effectively find those people who are going to create the next innovation and drive their organization forward. Right. Uh, absolutely. And, and then, but it brings me full cycle back to that other point that, you know, maybe I'm just kind of, you know, projecting what I think about uh, that, that, you know, from my perspective, what is great company culture is if you find those people, you better be able to deliver internally. Like I still think there's a lot of reflection going on today, even though yes, every company has its culture, but I, th I, ju I just believe that a lot are not adding value to the individuals. You know, I, we were talking about this at the dinner table last night. It went from the transaction of Brian, you work for me. I care about what you do at work. And I don't care what happens at home to I better care about Brian and make mm -hmm. Brian a better person. And, and for that, Brian, 
I'd like the best version of you here. Like there is this oh. shift and some people are not bought into that yet. Oh, 100%. We're seeing that with the great resignation. Employer branding isn't just to attract talent. It's to re- it's not just to find talent. It's to remind talent of why they're there and why they should stay. And, you know, the next big wave, and I've just talked about sort of the, the specialist talent creating all the innovation at the edges of organizations. But how about all the, the blue-collar talent that Amazon are sweeping through city by city and, um, and hiring? It's going to be a challenge. The next, the next big challenge for employer brand is how to get that middle body of uh, employee base to come and work at your organization instead of these giants who can outpay and uh, outmarket. You know, that's that's the next challenge we're going to face. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more, uh, Brian. Before we wrap, anything else that is in the book or that you're thinking about that's a key headline that we haven't discussed today. So I don't think it's a, a key headline, but you know, one message that I would love to put out there is, you know, we work with global brands with complex talent audiences, but this isn't just big business stuff. This is for the startup with two or three people in a company or, you know, it, you can't do this soon enough. It's much easier to identify and articulate the culture you want and scale than it is to scale something and change it once you have hundreds of people and so on and so forth. And it can make the difference. And I think as entrepreneurs, we've all made that higher that nearly sunk us early on, you know, and it's because we didn't know our culture. We didn't know what it took to thrive and we didn't know our give and we didn't know our get. Well, it sounds like on that note, we should be packaging our books up because your book and my book, Scaling Culture, will go very well together. They, they, I think they will, will, will be combined for a great secret recipe of well, success. there you go. I yeah. love a good two for one. I love a good That's two it. for one. <laughs> well, Brian, look, uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I've got a, a ton of notes. Um, and um, yeah, so thank you for dropping by and running through um, your different strategies. It's been eye-opening for me, as I'm sure it has been for our listeners today. So thank you. Thanks, Ron. Really enjoyed that. For more information about Brian and his work, please follow him on LinkedIn. To learn more or purchase the Scaling Culture Masterclass online course, please go to scalingculture.org. And if you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe and share. We'll be back soon with another incredible guest.